0: Hello and welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM and on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So, joining us, our first interview of 2023, where we mark uh, four years broadcasting this month. So, big big, uh, uh, milestone for us. Joining us this week is Sean Golden, Chief Economist and Director of Policy at Limerick Chamber. Sean, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Carolyn. Congratulations on your four years.
0: Four years. The time has flown. Of course, it helped that I haven't been in studio for two of those years.
1: <laughs> it helps us all, I think, you know. Uh
0: strange times. Um, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm I'm well familiar with the work of Limerick Chamber um over the past number of years. It's certainly one of the most proactive chambers, one of the strongest ones in terms of um not just business lobbying, but actually um, really good collaborations locally, not just in Limerick, but across the Midwest. But today I want to speak to you about something very specific, and that is the strategic development pipeline. So you might just explain to us what that is and how it works.
1: Yeah. So essentially the strategic development pipeline is a website or a web portal on the Limerick Chamber website. And what it does is it tracks all the big capital and infrastructure projects across the Midwest. So at the moment, we have about 40 projects on it, total an investment about 6 billion. So it's quite a lot. So what it allows people to do is, and it's completely open access. Anybody can go on and have a look at it. You can go on, you can pick your selected project and you can drill down into what phases have been complete at the moment, where is it going in the future, what are the timelines for delivery, Where's the funding coming from essentially all type of information that people would be interested in looking at. And it's color coded in the traffic light system so it's easy to identify you know where any potential blockages might be or what's going well. Um, and, and the, the overall genesis of the strategic development pipeline came from the future Limerick report, which was commissioned by Limerick Chamber in 2021 and Indicon carried it out and essentially one of the recommendations from that report was a public portal that tracked public projects. So when I came in last year, I I started to action that point. And essentially when we started looking at it, we realized that the scope of investment across the Midwest was much bigger than just public projects. And we decided to expand the remit. So we took it from public projects in Limerick to kind of all projects across the Midwest. And that got us to where we are today.
0: Um, It's a really interesting one because at a glance, you might say, well, isn't this a tool that every local authority should have and therefore should make available, because, again, planning is a public function. Um, And yet in Ireland, I feel like we've been really repeating ourselves over the past decade, like, yes, planning is a public function, but all of these, uh, all of this public information is generally locked away on PDFs uh, in obscure places and websites that even the local authority teams themselves sometimes um, have difficulty in accessing. So to see this type of project being brought forward by a chamber, not a local authority, is a really interesting move. So let's just go back a step. Um, first of all, just explain to people maybe who aren't familiar with uh, chambers or the old chambers of commerce that they would have been known. You might just describe what your remit is and the work that you ordinarily do.
1: Yeah, so I suppose, you know, historically, chambers of commerce are, are kind of viewed as business organizations, you know, that that form mixers and create linkages amongst businesses i suppose in the last number of years a lot of chambers including ourselves have taken a very proactive stance in terms of you know strategic priorities strategic development stuff like that so while at our heart we're still a very member focused organization in terms of lobbying for our members raising business issues locally nationally at a european level we're also getting involved in what makes you know counties and regions livable How does it make, you know, what can we do to influence future investment decisions? You know, how can we retain the investment we have? How can we encourage investment in the future? And that's kind of a lot of what we do as well. So there's a blend between the two. We'll do a lot of submissions in terms of how to make somewhere more livable in terms of housing and transport. But we'll also take a lot of our member issues and bring those up and raise those and try to lobby on their behalf as well. So it all comes back to just creating and nurturing a, a business environment, Carol.
0: You know, it's interesting over Christmas, and I don't know how this came into my YouTube feed, but I came across an old video from 1965 about FDI, uh, particularly up and down the west coast of Ireland, so it was right down as far as kind of Cork fisheries in Cove, right up as far as, or sorry, Sorry, it was energy plants um, in Cove and up as far as the fisheries in Donegal. But it was really interesting to see uh, the Shannon region profiled at that time and the excitement, the uh, I, I suppose, the positive look at to FDI maybe when not fully understanding what the potential would be. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting to look back to see what was the conversation happening around international funds coming into Ireland back in 1965 as opposed to today. And what I posted on social media and, and the comments were very much along the lines of where did we go wrong from 1965 to here? So you might just talk to us maybe about um, Ireland's changing perceptions around um, foreign direct investment and international funds coming into Ireland. I know that's slightly um, outside of your remit with uh, Limerick Chamber, but I know your background. Um, I know you're you're well familiar with this uh, coming up uh, from your own professional background. So you might just talk to us about where Ireland is, and particularly uh, the West Coast and and west of the Shannon, in terms of its recept its receptivity to international funds and international money coming in.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, 1965 was probably a bit before my time, so I'll, I'll keep it more recent. But, um, you know, I, I think hugely receptive to any inward investment that's coming in, you know, um, try to do whatever we can in the region across, we'd say, all stakeholder organizations that try to get it in. You know, there might be, I suppose, different uh, forms of opinion, what we do to get them in and nurture them, etc. cetera. But it, it's very receptive overall to it. Like, we realize the importance that they have the economy here, in terms of creating you know a, a lifeline for graduates that want to come out and stay in the region you know and how they work with local indigenous business as well so yeah it's it's hugely receptive down here I think you know when you look at any time the chamber involved one of our members open a new office space or etc you know there's a good buzz around town about it um so you know there's always that air of support as well and I think you know in Limerick specifically the longer someone is here the the more entrenched they get into the local knowledge you know and there's all there's generations of people that end up working in the same place you know so it's great to see um but yeah hugely receptive and kind of do whatever we can to to keep them and retain it as well as nurturing our own indigenous stuff as well you know
0: yeah certainly over the last number of years um funding coming into the real estate sector has been you know in certain buckets so mm. so to say so for example um um uh, built rent maybe isn't something that or or the PRS it's something that would have a different shape from Limerick say what we yeah. might have seen in terms of the investment attracted by Dublin and yeah. that being sought by Cork and Galway. You know Limerick has Limerick really has its own identity and it's one of the things that's been kept very strong. Um you you talked about the report future limerick. Is it usual by the way for a chamber? To commission a report like
1: this i as as far as i know not something that's kind of had that had the brief that this did carol you know this kind of focused on we'll say limerick city center and on everyone, so we didn't really take the the wider midwest approach on on that one um but as far as i know not many chambers have actually done done it you know they might take something that's existing and try to action the points from that whereas the chamber team at the time wanted you know independent evidence-based research with actionable goals where the chamber could influence those goals and we could take those and and run with them so it's 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 a bit unusual but i speak you know most chambers are proactive we did a copenhagen economic study for we'll say air transport in ireland and you know there was a couple of other chambers that were involved in that as well with Limerick chamber taking the lead so it's not unusual but something of that scale and with those actionable goals is 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 a bit I suppose a bit unique
0: and people might be familiar with the future Limerick report it issued in it it issued in was it 2021 or early 2022
1: yeah it was summer 2021 it came out
0: okay can you just maybe remind people of what the headline figures might have been
1: yeah so I suppose rather than you know what they did was at the time they took the figures in it and they kind of took uh, the economic landscape of Limerick and what they needed to do to influence those figures going forward so rather than it being kind of you know because we do our biannual economic report in here where we have a look at the figures and we say this has went up that has went down this is what we need to do the the future limerick report i suppose was far more strategic in nature saying you know we need, we need to increase transport linkages this is what we need to do we need to get people back living in the city center you know these are a couple of goals from that that we might need to do you know we need to in uh, we need to combat unemployment black spots and items like that so rather than having kind of headline figures it was all the strategic goals that came underneath it you know and much of those have changed as well since since then you know we we are good in employment in terms of the midwest but there is unfortunately unemployment black spots as well so overall the purpose of it really was to take that evidence based approach and introduce some goals that the chamber could action themselves or work with organizations locally and nationally to to improve it. And the strategic development pipeline is actually one of those those points.
0: Uh, we'll, well, maybe give us a little bit more information there about some of the strategic priorities then, because obviously working as a chamber, you have the the remit for businesses there. You've, you know, you have a strong remit from the local businesses. But how much influence can you have um, in terms of Placemaking, because businesses can only thrive where people can afford to live, where there are homes for them to live and where there are, uh, you know, headquarter type facilities for them to move into, where there's the right manufacturing facilities. So how much influence um, can uh, can the chamber hope to have? And is that reflected in your strategic priorities?
1: I think so. Yeah, like the, the report itself. Acknowledges that as part of any strong region, you have to have a strong urban center. And that's one of the things we try to do with it is we try to get people back living in the city center, try to get more offices open in the city center, have more residential opportunities in the city center, you know, and that forms the key node, you know, across the Midwest. You know, it's only 20 minutes out to shannon you have colbert station which brings it to dublin and cork so that's why limerick city kind of formed the, the core of it in terms of how much influence can we have on placemaking i mean a lot of that is in terms of the submissions and observations that we make so for example you know if there's a local development plan we will go out to our members we'll say look there's a consultation period open for the local development plan at the moment these are essentially the goals of the local development plan you have any feedback you want us to reflect in our submissions and that's one of the best ways that we can do it as well as you know internal and external meetings and regular meetings that we might have with the local authority or other delivery bodies you know but at the end of the day they they don't have to listen to us you know um but i think when they realize that limerick chamber largest business representative body in the midwest you know represents fifty thousand employees 400 members that it is a significant voice and I suppose these are the people that are bringing jobs to the region, encouraging growth in the region. And I think given, you know, graduates and people a, a place to work after after college and any other training. So, you know, it's good, but like we we've never had an instance where, you know, we were flat up ignored. I think for the most part, it's all about compromise and kind of trying to get what's best for for both organizations remits. Limerick,
0: as somebody who like I I've spent my time. Um working on various placemaking projects up uh, up and down a kind of the length and breadth of the country. And, you know, when we talk about sometimes when we talk about a city, it's easy to kind of just say that one city, but actually every city is made up of lots of areas and districts within that city. And, you know, even the wider city kind of goes into the wider county area and then you're into the wider region area. And, you know, it can be really difficult when you break down a project in terms of Placemaking, um, and whether it's from a a residential or commercial perspective, um, it's difficult to get the it's difficult to get the buy in from all sectors that you need. I mean, so it's important to know your starting points with all the strategic priorities that you might have. You have to be really realistic about where you're starting. And I mean, certainly Limerick is um, a city that has some of the the, I, I suppose it has some of the most deprived areas in Ireland, which I think might surprise people to know that Limerick City actually it, it does still play host to some of the most deprived areas in Ireland. And um, so there, there and the reason I'm saying it like that is because we can't just talk about the city as if a, a one size fits all approach will will work because it definitely won't not in any city, but particularly not in Limerick. And there's definitely a feeling like Limerick has been on the cusp of regeneration for decades. So, um, like, is that a fair perception? Is, is regeneration just taking a very long time? I mean, you talk about the importance of a strong urban centre. Does Limerick today in 2023 does Limerick have a strong urban centre?
1: It's a tough one, you know. And like, I'll, I'll I'll take the first part first. Like, there there's no one size fits all policy. Like, I mean, you know, you can see that at national level sometimes, and it doesn't truncate down to the regions or the counties. You know that it's probably something that we have to do on a differential basis if you look at the breadth of submissions that limerick chamber does i think we did about 14 last year you know there's ones that are kind of aggregate you know regional level or county level but then there's other ones that are quite specific in terms of active travel projects you know the limerick shannon metropolitan area transport strategy look the train stations and where we put those around limerick so i suppose that's where we influence the real granular level stuff you know that you know the city center might have okay employment but there's like some places on the north side of the city that might be having difficulty and what we would advocate for in that regard is that you increase transport in there you know that you make use of the greenfield land that's there and hopefully bring up the area and give people opportunities that are there so it's it's very it's very tough to do it but i think we're lucky here that you know in the chamber we've two full time you know economists not many chambers are are lucky to even have one you know So, because of that, we can actually hit the ground running and cover a lot of area with that. In that regard, you know, um, in relation to the second point, in terms of a strong urban centre, you know, it it depends on what way you view that. Um, There isn't a lot of residential opportunities, so that that would be a mark against it. We do a monthly rental monitor in the chamber where we essentially look the whole whole of the Midwest and break it down by the four regions. So Limerick City, Limerick Suburbs. County Clare and County Tipperary you know and we might be lucky to kind of get between seven and ten you know places to rent in Limerick City per month you know it's very low across the whole region you know we might be lucky to get 120 to 150 houses across the whole of the Midwest so that's that but look that's a problem everywhere else is having as well you know it's not unique to Limerick it's not even unique to Ireland but it's something that we try positively influence then you've commercial vacancy issues again everywhere struggling with that. But in the context of Limerick and the wider Midwest, you know, the likes of Kilrush and Shannon are up around a 25% commercial vacancy. Limerick City is a bit less, I think it's around 18, 19%. So, you know, but if you go on the streets since COVID, there's an actual more, you know, there seems to be a bit more liveliness around. I think people are taking advantage of the outdoor space much more. Is there a lot of work to be done for sure? You know, like we do have the renovation of O'Connell Street. Um, it's taken a while, but once it's complete, we've a brand new main thoroughfare, you know. So I think there's there's a lot going for it. We've a lot of land in the city centre. If anyone wants to come in and develop, you know, there's significant parcels of land down the dock road, which connects onto the M7 straight to Dublin and other areas. And then we've Colbert Station as well. So it has a lot going for it. Um, none of our issues are unique, but at the same time, you know, Limerick people are they're very ambitious so it can be uh, everyone getting involved and trying to bring it forward together you know but i wouldn't say it's a weak urban center but i it could definitely be stronger yeah but you know that's not unusual I'll you know
0: yeah looking at the development um pipeline can you can you uh, give us a breakdown as to what kind of investments so for example what development is uh public or state led versus private led? I mean, is there much private development going on in the, at the moment?
1: It's, it's definitely leaning more towards public development. Um, but I suppose that's just the nature of the project. You know, it's, if you kind of take it back a step and look at us trying to get data in for the development pipeline. So around planning permissions, around tenders, around costs, around timelines, a lot of the public stuff is readily available. So the private stuff takes more consultation. So there, it 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 is at the moment weighted towards public stuff, but we're running an expansion program now where we're bringing more private stuff in as well. Um, if you look at the private stuff, you know it's it's normally kind of residential projects, commercial projects. You know, there's a there's a museum as well, the International Rugby Experience, which is which is almost finished. But for the most part, then you have the public projects, which are the likes of schools. They're the likes of um, you know, active travel works, bus corridors, etc. So there there's a good blend at the moment, but it could definitely be leaning more towards the the private sector, which is what we want to see in the future as well.
0: Has there been anybody of work done around the viability of development in Limerick um, in much the same way as there has been, say, in Dublin or Cork?
1: I I I I don't think there's anything publicly available anyway, not that I can see. I think there's enough kind of development companies involved in Limerick at this stage with the LDA Limerick 2030 and and private enterprise that I'm sure has been carried out but I haven't seen anything that's publicly available but I'd imagine it's the same issues as everywhere else you know apartment costs are expensive to deliver. you know you don't want to be doing basement car parking but at the same time I think you know Limerick has historically you know the the second highest disposable income outside Dublin you know so it's the highest outside Dublin um, you know, there's there's land there and property prices are normally a bit lower than they are in other areas. So it's ripe for investment as well, you know. But I I don't think there's anything we would say, like the EY study that was done with the Construction Industry Federation for Cork, where they look at apartment construction, but it's definitely something that would be interesting to look at as well, you know.
0: Uh, yeah, just really to give us kind of a better understanding, before we finish up, you talked there um, that, that your remit is coming from 400 business members. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about what the business sentiment is there in Limerick City and County as we kind of embark on 2023?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting because we carried out a business sentiment survey in April last year, and it was actually pretty positive. The unusual thing was we carried out a consumer one at the same time, and it wasn't as positive. They were kind of at at odds. We carried out another one in November and December last year. And, you know, there is a bit of trepidation about going into 2023, you know, all the same issues that are there. You know, at the start of the year, people were worried about housing. They were worried about health. As we move towards the end of the year, energy came up as a huge concern. But at the same time, a lot of our businesses, I think it was, you know, 90% 90% plus have the financial resources to, to continue operating, you know, um, and they're out of the ones that answered it, you know, I think it was about half of the businesses had more orders than they would have had pre-COVID, and another half were in line with what they saw at the start of the year. So it's actually a, a pretty good environment, you know, despite all the challenges that businesses are coming off of, you know, with Brexit, then COVID, supply chain issues, staffing issues. There's still actually a bit of hope there, you know, and we asked the question as well, like how many businesses, you know, um, are actually confident in the Irish economy. And it was up around the 90 percent as well. So, you know, you would expect if you were a business owner, you might be a bit more negative, but that's not the case here in the Midwest at all, which is which is good to see, you know.
0: That is positive. So then where are the challenges that um, your members are seeing? Are they around talent?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's it's talent. It's retaining staff it's it's upskilling staff, you know, getting houses for staff is a huge issue. Um, getting houses in appropriate locations is a huge issue as well. You know, it's it might be easy enough to find something within a 40, 50 minute drive, but that's not ideal either, you know. Um, energy is a huge issue, you know, diversity of supply is something that was raised as well among our members, you know. I suppose for our retailers as well, it's safety on the streets and you know, increased guard presence. So it's it's not anything groundbreaking or unique, to be honest with you. It's all it's all the same issues that we kind of had at the start of the year. Um and you know, obviously getting staff is a big one as well because their unemployment rate is 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 quite low, you know, but they seem to be doing well as well. You know, they're kind of operating where they need to be.
0: Okay, very good. And then finally, just before we finish up, Sean, you might just um tell us where your priorities you know within Limerick Chamber what are your priorities for 2023 can you give us a glimpse maybe at some of the projects that will be keeping you and the team busy over the next 12 months
1: yeah so you know we have um we have been tracking you know Airbnb and short term rentals over kind of the last year so we'll be releasing a study on that and kind of its impact on the market here locally we've also been looking at shared bed spaces and we'll have a report on that In contrast to you know renting out a one bed apartment, being able to rent a bed, we're doing work around the regional airports program and what needs to be done there in order to kind of elevate Shannon and take advantage of its full capacity, and how do we get a European hub post Brexit, you know, and we'll be doing our usual Midwest Economic Insights, which is an economic insights at a whole. Kind of Midwest, and we'll be expanding the strategic development pipeline as well. So you know, that's kind of the, the projects that we have sight of now at the moment. But our priorities lie, you know, in housing, health, transport, energy, and just all around creating a business environment where we can actually keep the businesses we have and and get more in. You know.
0: Excellent. Sean. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thank you for being so generous with your time. Certainly, we'd love to check in with you maybe midway through the year and see what kind of progress you're making. And certainly one of the things I'd love for anybody listening in to take away, maybe that the strategic development pipeline might be a tool that other chambers could Mm -hmm. develop. You know, it's certainly something that would be of value. Um, So I would would certainly encourage people to take a look at that. Sean, thank you again for being so generous with your time. I'm Sean Golden, Chief Economist and Director of Policy at Limerick Chamber. We need to take a quick break. Stay tuned.